0: Hi there, Amanda here. Before we get into today's podcast, I wanted to let you know about an amazing live event we've got coming up on the 6th of March in Darling Harbour, Sydney. Dance Principles United Summit is going to be an absolutely incredible day of learning and we would love to have you there as our guests. To have a 10% discount for our loyal podcast listeners, please use the code podcast at checkout. You can find all the details in our show notes below or via any of our socials or just drop us a message. We hope to see you there. Hello friends I'm Amanda Barr and I'm Rebecca Lou Brennan and welcome to Dance Principles United the podcast. Together we are passionate about helping studio owners with the business of running their studio. Join us as we talk everything from marketing systems, studio culture, motherhood, life and everything in between. This is the Dance Principles United podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Dance Principles United podcast. I hope you are all amazing. We have the incredible Nathan Barr with us today, uh, and we're going to be talking about something that's been a pretty hot topic on our page this week. How are you going, Nathan?
1: Hey, Beck. How you doing? Yes, no, it's been another another fantastic week. Um, what are we like? Week three in our studios now. Um, we got the the first week up. Op- with our little isolation period that we had to do, but um, yeah, back and hit the ground running and everything's into full swing. Um, lots of people around the studio and really good buzz.
0: Yeah, awesome. I'm having my ISO period this week, so luckily we have great teams uh, and our studios can keep going through that time, but it's definitely negotiating all things COVID at the moment that's making life a little bit interesting, uh, but we're getting there, that's for sure. So um, tell me about today's topic, Nathan. You're a pretty big expert in this um, and I'm super excited for us to talk to everyone about it today.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's always a topic that we see on like all the all the um, Facebook groups and everything like that. The employee versus contractors, and then superannuation for contractors topic. It's always something that always gets massive engagement, um, whichever forum you see it in. Um, and it's something that look for industry. A lot of years ago, it used to be a little bit of a grey area, um, but we have lots of conversations around this now. And nowadays, it's it's pretty much black and white um, that within our businesses, um, our dance studios, that the people that we're engaging to come and teach our weekly classes need to be employees. They're, they're not defined as contractors um, anymore under sort of any sort of Australian laws or regulations.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, people will come back and say various things uh, such as, well, what if they've got their own business and they're registered? Uh, for GST um, and that's still they still need to be an employee right
1: yeah absolutely and like there's a really clear tool that if um, if you go to the show notes at the bottom of the podcast here I'm going to pop in there Um, on the Australian tax office website it's a really clear um, clearly defined tool you answer a few questions um, and every which way you do it for any scenario that I could possibly put in for dance studios the answer is always they are employees not contractors Um, and that that comes with a whole bunch of it's obviously a big transition um and if it's you know if you're paying as contractors at the moment you're definitely not alone um because we know that a lot of people in the industry are but it's something that you need to look at transitioning and taking everybody that's working for you to employees not contractors
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I've spoken to barristers, lawyers, everyone about this. Um, And I think, you know, when when I spoke to a barrister, the thing that he told me that really resonated was if you got a plumber into your house, they would do their plumbing job as a one-off thing um, or maybe come back a couple of times um, and that'd be it. Whereas if you've got someone who's booked in for a schedule every single week at the same time, which we know our teachers have got, they're seen as an employee. So that was a really obvious way to look at it for me and for me to talk to my staff about it in that sense. Um, And if they're booked in for that scheduled time, then they should be an employee. But there's lots of different reasons of why they're employees. Um, We're providing most of the tools. So if you're an ACRO teacher, for example, I'm sure you're not bringing your own crash mats and, you know, or they're not bringing their own crash mats and big long runouts and all of that. So we're providing those tools for them within the school. Um, And there's lots of other things things as well
1: right now yeah absolutely and that's one of the questions that when you go if you go through that tool on the australian tax office website it talks exactly about that um one of the things is yeah we're providing everything um for them to 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 conduct their job um and so that's why they need to be employees of our businesses um and and it's one of those things yeah we, we talk a lot about it it's something that you know when you make the transition, there's a lot of training that needs to happen for our staff and we need to coach them about it because a lot of them just don't understand the, the nuts and bolts of, you know, nobody really understands the tax law, do they? But like the nuts and bolts of how the world works and things like taxes um, and superannuation, which we'll get to in a little bit as well. But it's a big discussion when you transition your staff over.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think the biggest issue they have is that they feel like they're getting a pay cut. Exactly. Um, and then they're not because we're still paying them the exact same amount. We're just putting some of their money into superannuation and some of their money into tax. So we're still paying the same amount, uh, but they don't see it that way. And it's educating them on that. Um, so I, one of the things that I talk to my staff about is the fact that it, they are going to have a lot easier ways if they need to get a loan or if they, you know, want to apply for something, it's much better for them to be an employee in that sense. Um, I also tell them that they should have been paying that superannuation which they probably weren't. Exactly. Um, but you know, they should have been paying that in the past. Um, and so that's also helpful for them. What other things exactly. do you do, like, Nate?
1: Yeah, and explaining it in terms of like, you know, when I was paying you $60 an hour as a contractor, then what you should have been doing is putting aside Let's just say ten dollars for your tax. You should have been putting aside six dollars for your superannuation. So theoretically, you should have only been taking net thirty or whatever it was forty-four dollars a week, um, and that would help you. You know, if you haven't been doing that, then you haven't been meeting all your obligations, um, and and that's what you know the tax office will sort of you know is looking at at the end of every year. Um, and it's, you know, we know that a lot of our contractors just weren't doing that. Um, that, that they're taking that $60 and thinking, woo, this is all mine. And away they go. And I'm sure I would have when I was 21 and doing those sorts of things as well. But, yeah, it's, it's just really important that they understand that, that, you know, we are still outlaying $60 an hour. For them to come and do the work, and they're just a, a great way that a um, HR company explained it to me the last time I spoke to them, was that when they're on when they come on as employers, they actually get so many more protections as well. Not only are we taking care of all those financial obligations like the tax and the super and things like that, they have just got so many more protections in terms of if if they hurt themselves at work, um, insurance claims, everything like that. Um, you know things like unfair dismissal and everything like that. They are just they have so many more benefits that they don't realise a lot of the time um, than they do as independent contractors.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think as well, like if they become a part-time or full-time employee, then if they're sick, they, they get paid for that time. You know, they get paid for holidays. That's things that dance teachers just aren't used to. And um, that's that's really a game changer as well sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, like, we, we, like I, keep, I keep going back to it, but we know that it's a tough transition, Right. Um, and that it's something you can't sort of just snap your fingers and ring up all your staff after you listen to this podcast and say, right, everybody tomorrow, we're all employees. Like it's a transition, right? But it's something that you sort of like, we're in, what are we fed now? Um, it's something that if it's, you know, you should be looking to, to what the 1st of July, the new financial year is always a really good time. If you're going to be making these changes, it gives you a little bit of a runway to start preparing your staff, to start onboarding them, um, and, and to look at that.
0: And make sure that you're talking to your accountant about this and asking their opinion. Make sure you're talking to your lawyers about this and asking their opinions Um, because, you know, it's important for you guys to to look at that stuff as well and to talk to those experts. But it's definitely the way that we need to go. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And like we've, Yeah, we've helped um, some of our private clients transition to this. We know we've helped um, a lot of our tribe members transition through this change. Um, And it's something that we always get because we all have staff that teach at multiple locations. Um, And what do you say, Beck, when the staff member comes to you and says, well, the three other places I'm working at, let me be a contractor. So why can't you?
0: Yeah, look, I I have to say to them, unfortunately, they should be seeing you as an employee and that's just the way that my business works and that's that's how it is here the end like I don't and I think that's getting back to your non-negotiables isn't it like you really need to be aware of what your non-negotiables are and if that teacher's not willing to see in with those non-negotiables within your business then you need to be willing to let them go I talk about this a lot with clients as well you know like you can't change the way you're doing things and change the laws essentially for that one person you've got to be really strong in your own self for your own business, um, and you know this can have a lot of backlash if it gets um, into the wrong hands, and people will find out that you're not doing the right things legally. It can have a lot of backlash.
1: Yeah, and you could be up for you know you could be up for a lot of money in some circumstances as well. Like it's something that you know just because others aren't doing it, like you need to to take take that on as like you know as a leader in the industry, and it's something that. Um, yeah, like Beck said, could potentially come come back to hurt you financially in the long run if it's not something you look look at transitioning to.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so another thing that's come up a lot is um, rates of pay and you know how much we're expected to pay people, and it's such a topic in all of the pages. Um, and so I know, Nathan, that you wanted to talk about the Fitness Industry awards. Yeah, absolutely.
1: We always see, again, um, like we said, it's always something that comes up in every group that we're in. Um, people wondering, like, what do you use as a, as a base? Like, what do you use to, to decide what you're going to pay um, your staff members? And we come under what's called the fitness industry award. So if you go into like Fair Work and things like that, and you just or you just Google fitness industry award, um, then you know, it's a you know what 70, 80 page legal document. So you're not going to go through and read it cover to cover, are you? But um, the key things you need to take out of it are the levels of your employees. And so the fitness industry award defines right down the bottom. It's called Schedule A. It defines your employees as a level one up to a level seven obviously level one is where we start our junior assistant teachers and things like that up to a level seven which is our sort of you know top tier of employees those that have got their rad certificates um, and or cert fours in dance teaching and management those that have had that have got the the i guess the formal skills and qualifications that um that apply to our our dance teaching and our, our industry
0: yeah, totally. And it's interesting to look at these numbers, like the level seven, um, what's the highest rate yeah, there? Yeah, you know? like
1: people, like I hope people are sitting down and they don't fall off their chairs. But based on the fitness industry award, the very high, or sorry, the level seven employees, the award rate, are the lowest you can legally pay them is $35.08.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's obviously, as you said, like it's it's not realistic in our industry and we yes. know that, but it's just interesting. I was saying before, my bookkeeper is very passionate about this and she ha- has not had anything to do with dance until she started working for me and she can't believe the hourly rates that, you know, really young people get. Exactly. And um, she just says like, do, you, do they realise that this is the same hourly rate as like a brain surgeon would get? Like she just can't fathom it. Um, But it's just normal in our industry, I guess. But as we keep saying, it's educating people around that and, you know, realizing whether that person is really that valuable to your business or not. Um, And people can have different values within a business and you've got to look at that financially.
1: Exactly. And that's what, yeah, the, the award is just a jumping off point. Yeah. It's where, you know, if somebody comes to you and, you know, for their age and their relevant qualifications, their award rate is $31 an hour. By all means, you can pay them sixty dollars an hour if you feel like, because it is a job market, right? Like they're bringing skills, qualifications to the table, and we can decide whether we whether we want to take that on or not. Um, but just know that, like, yeah, you should you don't have to feel pressured um, into those high rates if you, as your business, can't afford it. Um, and I know for like for me as a business owner, you know, I know our numbers inside out. So when yeah, you know, even a, a really high-level teacher that we, if we've advertised, and a really amazing, incredible teacher comes to us, um, and we offer them a rate um, that we know we can afford, and they say, "Oh no, my rate is thirty dollars an hour more than that." Like I respect that, and because that's uh, if that's what they can get in the market, like all power to them. But I know for me as a business, that's not viable, and I need to be a profitable business um, to be able to do what I need to do.
0: Yeah, totally agree and I think like you've just got to make sure you know your numbers and know what you can afford and like I said, just be aware of whether they're really that big of an um, asset to the business or whether they're not essentially and pay what you think they are worth definitely. Exactly.
1: And, and, um, but, sorry, you can't go back.
0: No, I was going to say but also educate them um, about you know the fact that you're the one doing the advertising. You're the one paying for the premises. You're the one that's, you know, getting your admin team to bring those students into their class. Like that That's where you really need to teach them that you are a business and there's all these overheads in your business and um, they're coming in as an employee to your business. And And that's where I think we really forget to tell our teachers and tell our staff about that stuff.
1: Yeah, it's not them organising their own workshop or anything like that, where they've got to do all the legwork, they've got to do all the admin um, and then turn up and teach as well. Um, and it's also like, you know, we've, yeah like we've all done, like we've all negotiated with high level teachers. And, you know, a lot of the time, like if they're just coming down for like a three hour block one night a week, we're prepared to offer them a higher rate than if we're giving them two full nights of teaching. Yeah. Like, I think that's I'm- like, yeah, just because they've got, Teachers should never, I don't, I don't feel, have one set rate across the board for everything. Because, yeah, like two full nights of work is a, diff- is a very different proposition to them maybe having to crisscross the city for three hours one afternoon.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I totally agree with that. I also think that when I do employ those higher rate teachers, there's expectations that they are expected to help me grow those classes to keep those numbers in those classes. And, you know, if they're someone who's got a huge social media following, which usually those high end teachers have, then I want them posting my school on their social media. And I'm very transparent about that um and you know there's there's that expectation in there because they will get people to come to their classes because of who they are and that's essentially what you're paying for so i don't see any issues with expecting that from them as well
1: yeah absolutely but like like i said i'll definitely put the the links for the fitness industry award so you can check all those classifications um and read through it yourself and decide where you think those teachers um your, your current teachers fit in um What I always see a lot of questions, I think sometimes like the perfectionist side of dance teachers or dance studio owners look for that really black and white answer. And the more and more I learn about HR is that you're not going to see that black and white. Okay. As long as you're, as long as you as the studio owner and the business owner uh, are being as honest and upfront as you can, you're not going to make a massive, a massive error in where you're placing a teacher. Like the, the award's really good and you can sort of see, okay, based on what this teacher's doing, they are a level four. Or well, based on the Cert 4 they've got, oh, yeah, look, that puts them into a level six or whatever that is. Um, so, And that's one of the things, like, yeah, if you're worried about it, then, um, yeah, go and talk to, to a solicitor or something like that, and they'll be able to help you or a HR company, and they'll be able to help guide you along that. But, yeah, for us, and you're probably the same, Beck, we start our junior assistants. We pay all of our junior assistants, and we start them on the level one award rate for their age. Um, we don't we never go above that um, because we like to be able to reward them if they're amazing and do a a really good job Uh, we used like years and years ago we used to start them above and then you get that tricky situation where the person you thought the 16 year old you put put on thinking they'd be fantastic turned out not to be so good and you Mm. can't undo that
0: yeah we do the exact same Um, I think I was gonna say like something that comes back to me often is well a personal trainer gets you know sixty or seventy dollars, um, and again like I always go back to those staff and say yes, but they're the ones doing their advertising. They're the ones actively seeking those clients. They're the ones who are booking those clients in we are doing all of that for you. So I think explaining it to them in that sense definitely helps. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about people asking for huge pay rises as well, Nathan, because yeah. this is always something that comes up where they want, you know, a, a big pay rise because they've heard the person next to them's getting that amount.
1: Absolutely. And like with all of this, like I think, and don't get me wrong, like I've been in that situation before, like you hear them do it and like, how dare, like what to me, like how dare they, aren't they grateful for what they've got, like, And you go in with anger, you think like, how dare they, like basically what a little shit, how dare they ask for that (laughs) rather than stopping and thinking and okay, hang on. I'm a business owner with, you know, 20 plus years experience. I know how the system works. Like all they see is like, you know, they hear, they've heard a three minute story about some ridiculous hourly rate somebody's got. Like it's okay for them not to understand and come with a little bit of a silly, silly question, but it's our job to sit down and educate them about it and what that means.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I was going to tell the story about my singing teacher who wanted $15 an hour extra. Um, so what, they started, which, but, you know, what did they start at? So they're at 50 and they wanted to go up to 65 an hour.
1: So that's what, a 40, 40% um, increase or something?
0: Yeah, 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 which would never happen in any industry other than ours, right? Yeah. Um, so they're doing 18 hours a week. Um, so they wanted a $270 per week. Uh, pay rise, which is what I this is how I explained it. I think when they look at it they think fifteen dollars an hour isn't that much. but then when you say well that's two hundred and seventy dollars per week, which ends up being two thousand seven hundred dollars per term, which ends up being ten thousand eight hundred dollars a year. that's when it starts to get real. Um, and when I explained it to this person like that, it definitely made more sense to them. Um, And I think that's, you know, you've got to look at it from a different perspective sometimes that they don't understand that side of it either. Um, And the other thing that they said was, well, this is what people who have got my qualifications are getting. And I said, yeah, if they're teaching singing at home in their house, again, where they're doing all of the legwork for that. Whereas we're literally bringing these students to you on a silver platter and we're doing all the advertising and everything else. So I think explaining it in that sense can really help them as well. But exactly what you said, nate they just don't get it. And right. I didn't get it when I was younger. Exactly. When I was when I was teaching at schools, you know, there'd be 30 people in the class and back in the day, because I'm old, it would be $10 a student, you know, and I'd, I'd be charging $40 for the hour and I'd be like, oh, she's making $300 on this class. She's making a fortune off me. But then... You don't think of all the overheads. You don't realise that until you actually own a business of how much overhead there is. And she's probably not making any money off that class when you really look into the nitty gritty of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's where like knowing your numbers is so important um, and something that I work on with with our private clients it helps take the emotion out of those discussions as well. Like I always mm-hmm. tell the story as well about one of our amazing teachers a few years ago who was only about 18 at the time. Um, so you know the award rate was you know about four dollars seven or not four dollars seven but yeah a very low award rate for an 18 year old casual on level fours like I think it's less than twenty dollars an hour. Yeah. Um, but when I go through because I literally calculate um, every single class how much every single class is costing us based on our fixed costs and our teacher wages, and I then break down exactly how much each class brings in revenue every single week. So I know which are my most profitable classes. And we all know in dance studios that we have classes that run at a loss and that that's okay too. Like it, it just happens. Um, but this teacher who was only 18, didn't have the qualifications of a lot of our staff. Every single one of her rec classes was bursting at the seams. She was obviously doing something incredible that made the kids go home and, and tell, you know, tell their friends, Oh, you should come to this class. It's incredible. Like, and so if she, when she comes and asks for a pay rise, I can sit there and look and say, Oh, you're teaching eight out of my 10 most profitable classes. Yes. You like, just because like, I don't think we have to say just because of their age or just because of their qualifications that they should have this or that. I think it, it can be a case by case basis. And that's where doing things like knowing your numbers can be really valuable.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think explaining to them as well that they need to come to you at an appropriate time for this. You know, my teacher came to me three days before we started back. We'd already budgeted. There was no way that that was going to happen. I explained that to her. Um, And I think, you know, explaining to them that side of things, like if you do feel that you deserve a pay increase, then come to us at a reasonable time, give us reasonable time to work it out and actually tell us why you think you deserve it. And, you know, there's so much that needs to go into it from them as well, but it is just all about education and it's educating, not just you guys, but educating your staff as well, um, that this is, you know, the way that you need to move forward with things essentially. Yeah,
1: I think that can be, that's a really good one about like educating them about what a pay negotiation looks like. Mm. It's about them coming and presenting a case as to, why they feel like they deserve a pay rise not just oh it's another 12 months down the track gimme 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 Mm. like that's not how any job works like that's not you know um you know people that have their year like annual reviews like people in the private sector they have their annual reviews and based on performance then they discuss whether they're having a pay increase or not so like if uh, like I said, like it's just something you've got to go into. You've got to take the emotion out of. You've got to go into trying to educate and train and, and help our employees along. Say, so, okay, look, you've come to me asking for a pay rise. Let's put a pin in this because I want you to go away and come back and let's meet this time next week. And I need you to tell me why you deserve the pay rise. Like what's happened in the last 12 months that you think justifies your pay rise. And I'd love to listen to, to you put that case to me.
0: Exactly. And as hard as it is, try not to be fearful that they're then going to leave and so feel the need to actually bow down to them because that's the other thing that I think our industry has is it's like, well, if I don't pay them that and then they leave, I'm not going to be able to find another teacher and then, you know, things are going to go pear-shaped and that's when we make decisions that aren't best for our business and there are lots of teachers around and you will find the right type of teachers for your school um, and you've got to put your business head on, hat on first. I feel in that case. Absolutely, and was like you know, like like we like I said at the start,
1: like it is a job market. Like that, you know, somebody can come in and ask for seven hundred and fifty dollars an hour from us. Like not a problem at all. Like if they want to ask, like I'm going to say no, <laughs> but and they're going to go out to the rest of the market offering seven hundred and fifty dollars. And like I use that example because it's ridiculous and far out, obviously. But like it's okay to say no if they can go and test the market elsewhere and get that. All power to them, but I think we know what we're seeing as an industry that these really, really high hourly rates aren't sustainable.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I, I also have to say, some people are worth the crazy amount. You exactly. know. I had some teachers last year that I was paying really huge amount for, but they were really exceptional staff members on every sense. They were sharing on socials, they were proactive in you know promoting my company. They were um, really great employees on every level, and so you can look at that as well and yep. see that you know sometimes they are worth it. So it's really up to you guys at the end of the day. You've got to just work that stuff out
1: yep. for yourself. Know your numbers and know their value.
0: Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Um, Awesome. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed that session. Always reach out to us if you have any questions. Um, we're always keen to answer any questions, especially on the Dance Principles United page. It's a great page where lots of these discussions happen. So if you're not on there, make sure you get on there um, and reach out to us so that we can help you with anything and everything.
1: Perfect. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, we'd really, really appreciate you hitting the follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening.
0: Thanks so much, guys. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Bye.